Uh, hi, everybody. Yeah, good to see you. Good turnout. Great to see so many people here. And uh, a special day, too. So, excellent. Uh, I, I wanted to just... Where's that Life at King's booklet? If you... Is anybody, that, that, can you just pop that to me? Oh, brilliant. Everything you need to know is in here, and sometimes we perceive this as a small group guide, because that's how it first started. But everything you need to know is here. There's stories, the new initiatives, there's the changes that have been going on in the church, and you need to know that. So take it home. Don't leave it here. Take it home. Have a good read through it. It's really, really helpful for you, and gives you a complete diary of events as well. So please do that. That's great. So that's my introduction. We'll get straight into the Apostles' Creed, shall we? Um, we get, so it's a new teaching series, Apostles' Creed. Um, if we get a brief uh, explanation, uh, because we're going to read this all together. So we're not going to preach from the Creed. We're going to preach from the Bible. That's, that's important that you know that. Um, the the creed, creed means belief. So what you will read in a moment is just a great summary of the Christian faith. You'll find the key central doctrines of what anyone who is a Christian anywhere would believe. That's what you will have. Of course, it includes the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Cross, the Resurrection. And then you have the Creed's affirmation of the church, um, which reminds us of the essential need of community. And stops our, it comes against the flow of our culture, which is individualism. And then you've got this phrase, and I thought, we'll explain the phrase, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. So that's the phrase. Now, it, that, there are words that have become dated over time. And Catholic is one of those words in this sense. Because it, it actually means the whole church. It means the universal church of Jesus Christ. That's the caveat. Of Jesus Christ. That's what it means. It's not talking about a denomination here. As in being a Catholic. It's talking about the the whole universal church of Jesus Christ. So the series will cover 11 weeks. This is the oldest and simplest creed. And if you can, we're going to stand. And we're going to read this together. Great. Thank you. Let's go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That's great to speak that out, isn't it? Let's just take a seat, can we? Um, 
a, a little bit more uh, about the uh, about the Apostles' Creed. It, it, it's it's an affirmation of the basic beliefs, central core beliefs of the gospel, which unite Christians throughout the world wherever. So Christians can agree on this, whether we're Orthodox, Catholic, Coptic, Protestant, and a whole list of others. We can all adopt this. This is what it is to be a Christian, to believe this. It's in effect a statement of faith. It's something that we can all adhere to. You can't pick and choose from this. This is it. This is key stuff. It's 1,700 years old. So what you have just read out, Christians through the centuries have read the same. I love that. Just we're part of this historical run that have all been speaking this out. Actually, it's most often spoken out at baptism, where people were baptized and they made their confession of faith. This was it. This is what, they, and often it was at Easter time. And I, I don't know how you feel about creeds. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, if, if churches like ours were not used to doing this stuff, sort of liturgical. We're going to be doing this every week, by the way, so I'm sure you'll get used to it. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how comfortable it makes you feel. To do, it's not the way... It's not the way we do things. I wonder if there's any sense of that. Well, I mean, what are they there for? Well, quite simply, they focus us. They focus on that which is most central. You need to know this, Christians. If there's anything you need to know, it's here. It's in this creed. Oh, there'll be other things. But believe it or not, some teaching in Scripture is more central. Uh, no, here we go. It's all inspired. This word is all inspired. All scripture is true. But some carries more significance and weight than others. One day Jesus was, um, was accosted with a question, which was of all the commandments, which is the most important? And he said, get out of here, will you? Fed up with these sort of questions. Not another one trying to trip me up. Well, of course, he didn't say that. Um, he actually responded. What was the most important question? What's the most important commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. Just some doctrines hold more weight than others. That's the point. There'll be things that we, there the things that we stand for here at Kings that. Others, they would have a different view on. There'll be some things that there are all, all sorts of questions. Like, should children take communion? Well, there'll be all sorts of different views on that. There'll be different views on spiritual gifts, believe it or not. We would want to pursue spiritual gifts. That would be part of who we are. But for other Christians, that's not where they are. And you might think, that's really unusual. But they're still Christians, but they just don't, that's not where they go. Take baptism, for instance. We believe in believers' baptism. But that's, there's big debates about that. And there are places where that is not the case. And they believe in infant baptism. 
So these things are great. These things are discussion points, and each church has its marker, and and they, this is where we stand. But this, what we have just read out, now that is core. You can't pick and choose from that. It's, if you take any of this out, and Christianity collapses, I believe in God the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. The virgin birth. Jesus died for our sins. Raised from the dead. Resurrection. Resurrection of the body and and eternal life. I mean, this is the stuff. This is the gospel. This this resonates with me. When we sing the the creed, in a way, I believe in God the Father. I just love it. This is not up for options here. This is truth. You know, my life sometimes it goes in a spin and I get in a turmoil. But hey, that, that's where I stand. I have signed up for that. That is, that is absolutely certain. This is the gospel. It's the bedrock of our faith. So it's core to who we are as people. And uh, I want you to welcome this. If you want to grow in the Christian faith, be here. For this series, because it's just central to who you are as a Christian, and it gives us history and perspective as well. And it's lovely to be part of believers all through the centuries, speaking those words. I like that. Now, we're going to earth this in God's word, and so we're going to go to Romans eight, thirteen to seventeen. So, if you have a Bible, open up there. It's going to be talking about God the Father. And if you haven't got a Bible, the words will come up on screen. And I'm just going to read from 13 to 17. But I do, if you have got a Bible, I want you to keep it open. Because I'm going to refer to one or two verses just before that as well. Oops. But for time's sake, I'm just going to 13 to 17. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body... You will live. For those, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share his sufferings, in order that we might also share in his glory. So throughout this chapter, we see the work of the Holy Spirit going on in the life of the believer. So you'll get that right right from the very beginning of this chapter. The work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Everyone who is in Christ has the Spirit. Everyone. There aren't two kinds of Christians. You know, those, those, who, those who have got the Holy Spirit, those who missed out. That, that's not true. Every believer has the Spirit. Every believer. Verse 9, it says this. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. You cannot be born of God unless it's by the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 11, it says... If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead 
will also give life to your mortal bodies. God will do it. You need a spirit-empowered life. That's what it is to be a Christian. You don't do some sort of swap shop. You know, I, I, I had these beliefs, and then I thought, actually, these beliefs were just better. So I thought I'd pick them up. You can't do an intellectual swap shop. It doesn't work like that. You know, we're born of God. That a new birth happens. You become a new person in Christ. And that's where he leads them. So this passage then goes on to say, those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. So verse 15. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. If I have a bottom line today, and I just want you to experience the love of God. My friends, that's it. That's the bottom line. I'm not just talking about today. I want you to be people who experience the love of God. We exp- it's about experiencing. The Christian life is a relationship. Jesus said, when you pray, say what? What did he say? Our Father. That word Father immediately discounts the idea that God is some impersonal force or being. He's always been this way. Before he was creator and ruler, he's always been father. All the way through. He didn't become father. He's always been father. And you'll notice that each, everything each person of the Trinity is and does is always in union with one another. So you've got this wonderful community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Somebody asked the question, if God himself is just one by himself alone, how can he know love? Without someone else, how can he know love? I thought, what a good question. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So look at two aspects today. Your position has changed. And your language changes. Your position has changed and your language changes. Your position has changed. Jesus underlines that as soon as you can. So Mary comes to the tomb. And she's looking for Jesus. And then eventually she finds Jesus, and he says these words. Go to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my father and your father. I just love that. That first day, my father, your father. Have you got that? My father, your father. Christians, unless you understand your position as a son and daughter of God in his family, I'm afraid you'll always struggle unless you understand this. So when you pray, we don't start with no master and king of the universe. Jesus said, say our father. And actually in our culture, I think we can just miss how outrageous that is. When Jesus started saying this, I think there were about 14 times Father is used in that, in that sort of context in the Old Testament. 
I think by the early chapters of Matthew's gospel, I mean, it's completely overrun with Father. So many times, Father, as soon as Jesus comes on the scene, and it creates an incredible storm with the Jews. I mean, an absolute issue, a huge issue. Jesus said, who does not, who, he who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent me. I mean, he's putting his case out here. Every time Jesus talks of God, he speaks of the Father. My Father is, my father is always at work. No one can come to the Father. No one can come to the Father but through the Son. No one. Father. Peter says to him, You're the Christ. And Jesus says, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father in heaven. And got this line going all the time. They were apoplectic with rage that he would ever put himself on that level. It was simply outrageous, but blasphemous. It's a huge point of contention. So in our Western culture, people are spiritual. And they say, I, you know, I'm quite spiritual. I've been in a number of conversations recently. I'm quite spiritual. And, uh, and, and by that, they, they, they talk about the fact that, well, we're all God's children. You know, everyone's God's child. Everyone's God's child. And mankind is, of course, dependent on God. I get that. No, but to call God as Father involves more than the casual acknowledgement of his powers of creation. To call him Father is a different ballgame entirely. And it's never assumed outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't say everybody's a child of God. It makes a clear distinction. Please hear this. John says this. John says this. He says, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name... He gave the right to become children of God. There's a clear distinction here. This is, Christians, get this because it's your legal right to be in Christ and to be a son and daughter. You belong. You are in. You are loved. That's phenomenal. Your standing has completely changed. And that's why the Apostle Paul is underlining it. Please get it. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And, and to be honest, we could fail to grasp the meaning of that here in our culture because adoption is relatively uncommon. And yet in their society, it was much more common. So just from a Roman perspective, Augustus becomes emperor of Rome because he was adopted by Julius Caesar. In turn, he adopted his son and successor, I mean, a successor, an adopted son, Tiberius. Nero was the current emperor by virtue of his adoption by Claudius. There's nothing unusual or second rate about adoption here. In other words, he was saying, Paul was underlining the case, you get this. You are adopted, you are co-rulers, you are co-heirs, everything Everything that is, in, that is mine is yours. This is the kingdom of God stuff. So your standing has changed. Legal standing has changed. So whenever you pray, Father, just remind yourself of what it means for you. I know that there are a number of reasons that people have blockages about fathers. Uh, some have walked out the home. Just be here in this room here. 
Some have walked out the home. Just some never wanted to know. As soon as they heard that phrase, I'm pregnant, they're gone. I know that. Some have been abusive. Some fathers have found themselves emotionally frozen. And, but there's been good fathers too. And others have had good experiences of their fathers as well. But listen, I'm a father here. We're all tainted. Do you know where they all got our frailties? Blind spots, weaknesses. If my children stop nodding their heads, that would be very helpful. And then sometimes we can, we can put all those negatives onto our Father. Now the blueprint is here, not here. It's here. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I wonder if we could put that projection slide up. Somebody, somebody actually said that the biggest question is not, is there God? Is there God? Lots of people believe in God. You'd be surprised. It's the question is, what is your God like? And in this room here, you believe in God. Many of you believe in God. You believe in God as your father. Let me ask the question. What is he like? What is he like? How do you see God? Do you see him as conditionally loving? In other words, actually, it's really about your performance. Is that how you see him? But, but he's unconditionally loving. Unconditionally loving. You go, no, no, not me. That person, yes, not me. No, 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 no. He's unconditionally loving. You find him critical. You find God critical. Do you find he's doing an audit on your day? In an audit? God, the, the great auditor of your life. Is that how you see him? But he's affirming and accepting. In Luke 15, it's the father who throws everything off, dashes down the road, grabs hold of his pig-smelling son, puts his arms around him. Is that affirming? You bet. This is your father. This is your father. Moody? Timothy, Timothy tells us. One Timothy says, always happy. God is always happy. Do you think he's moody? How about unreliable? So you're not going to turn up. He never turns up. You know, I, don't, I wonder if he, that's how... It, but he's faithful. We, we, we need to address our perspective of what we think God is like. But according to the word of God. Disinterested. Absent. Stingy. How about that? Stingy. But he's not. He is generous. All that I have is yours. He's utterly generous. We need to change our perspective. I've got this thing. I don't know if you have these. Do you have these leaflets? There are what I am in Jesus. Who I, who I am in Jesus. And it, Take one. If they're here, just take one. And if they're not, we'll make sure that some come up here. They take one. And then... Just affirm who you are in Christ. All the scriptures in there. Because this is the truth. It's the truth that will set you free. So, what is he like? Listen, everyone, every single Christian 
to put their trust in God. In Christ Jesus, God honors them. My Father, your Father. He loves them. My Father, your Father. He treats them with the greatest of respect. My Father, your Father. Actually, he dotes on them. Always has his eye on them. My Father, your Father. Is he interested? What about when I have bad days? When I have off days? When I do things that I know I shouldn't do and then I continually do them? What about the times when I have seasons where I know I shouldn't do it, but I do it. I do it. Is he, he, my father, your father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. You need to know what God is like. I'm sitting at my desk and I'm, I'm thinking about all of this. <laughs> and I was pausing and stopping. And, and then I'm just overwhelmed by the love of God. I'm sitting there and thinking, I don't deserve this. Don't deserve this. And then Des and I are going out for a drive and I'm explaining to her. And as I'm explaining to her, I'm stuck with words. I don't I can't speak and tears start to fall down my face because I was being so touched. This is this is my heart. This is my bottom line that you would experience the love of God. I want you to experience it. Jesus asks, encourages us to ask, doesn't he? Ask and it will be given. There may be caveats to all of that, but ask. One thing I've noticed about children, they're not afraid to ask. They're not afraid to ask. Doorbell goes, open the door. They they just come in. I don't know about you, the grandchildren, straight in. They don't even ask, actually. But one thing they do ask is, they ask for jammy dodgers. I'm not allowed jammy dodgers in our house. That's for the grandchildren. That is not for me. And they will ask. And nobody's going to say no. I'm on dangerous ground here. I'm sure it's on one occasion one has got up onto the work surface to get to the cupboard, to get to the... I quite like that. I won't encourage it, but I quite like that. It's the cheekiness of saying, I belong here. I'm in. This is mine. I can have this. I like that. My sons come in. My daughter comes in. I walk through the house. They might say hi. Go into the fridge. Have a look through the fridge. Take something out. They ask, can I have? But they're not expecting me to say no. And then my daughter, she loves the cupboards. I don't know why, she just loves it. Goes through the cupboards and, and I'll get it in the neck afterwards. Anyway, so um, why? Because they're at home and they feel in and they belong. What are you like with your father? Ask. Just picture in your mind a father walking down the street with his little boy. And uh, picks him up, hugs him. But he's walking down the street, and then he picks him up and hugs him. And somebody said, is the son any more his son in his arms than when he's walking in the street? No. But the experience is different. And that's my hope, that 
I want you to experience the love of God. Verse 15 says, The spirit you received doesn't make you slaves so that you live again in fear. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And so, verse 15 then goes on, And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Your language changes. This is intimate language. So if you're in the Middle East, you'll often hear this word. Abba, Abba, Abba. You'll often hear it. It's, um, it's Aramaic, but actually it's difficult to translate into English. You can't really, I mean, daddy, dad, daddy, daddy. We'd say daddy, daddy. But as you, kids get older, they tend not to use the word daddy unless you bought them a pony. Um, they just, you know, they, it's, uh, they don't do that. The Mediterranean is probably better because it uses the word papa and it's got that intimacy and respect at the same time. The language changes. Excuse this line, but it's, it, it's objective truth has to be subjectively real. It means the truth is to be experienced. Truth is to be experienced. Jack Frost is a pastor. He ministered to other pastors about inner healing. He was so good. Taught a number of leaders. Period of seven years. I was very successful. But back at home, he was in deep struggles. Striving, ambitious, competitive. His identity was based on his performance, position, power. I mean, life was miserable at home. At a conference in 1994, he had a revelation of the deep love of God. It had nothing to do with his performance, nothing to do with what he could achieve. He just experienced the love of God as a father, and it utterly undid him. It broke him. He fell apart. He cried for five months. It broke his fear of failure. It broke his fear of rejection. It broke his fear of intimacy. He says, I could hardly stop crying. He said, I'd heard all my life about that God had loved me, but I'd never lowered the walls of protection to receive his love and deep affection. His experience of his father changed him, but of course it's changed him uh, and all his relationships as well. On more than one occasion, somebody has said to me, you know, whenever I come here, I cry. I just cry. And sometimes I use this flippant remark and I say, it's not that bad, is it? But I, I know, and then we talk, and then it's, you know, it's just God healing, God restoring, God touching somebody's life. I said, let him do it. We cry, Abba, Father. The word cry is very interesting. Just a little bit on that word cry. The word cry comes from a place of deep distress, deep emotion. Well, that's our lives, isn't it, Christians? We're not immune from this stuff. You know, Monopoly might have a get-out-of-jail card free, but we don't. We go through this stuff. Life is a struggle. We experience weakness and disappointment, discouragement, some of that ourselves, of ourselves. And by him we cry. That's the word cry. Abba, Father. If you can't go to a father when you're in trouble, where can you go? Abba, Father. Three times in that passage in Romans 8, you'll see groan or groaning, groans. It's a place of trouble. Abba, Father. They're two of the most important words you'll ever speak. Our Father. Let me finish with this. Andrew Wilson's a pastor at King's Church, London. He tells the story of a friend of his who was in a worship time. 
And behind him, there was an older man, and he's repeating this phrase over and over again. God loves you, and I love you. You're a real special boy. God loves you, and I love you. You're a real special boy. And then he turns around, and he sees this grandfather with this boy who has cerebral palsy. And the boy can hardly respond. And he's walking up and down saying, God loves you. I love you. You're a real special boy. God loves you. I love you. You're a real special boy. And his friend, when he hears this, and just breaks, it just undoes him. And he gets this moment where he realizes how powerless he is to save himself. How powerless he is to do anything in his life of any, any, any merit. Just sees this moment and that God had wrapped his arms around him and told him that he loves him. He's a real special person. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we pray that um, we pray for ourselves that we would experience your love. I pray you do that. You would come even in this moment. You would come where we have a time to pause and reflect and for us to know how special we are and how loved we are. We don't want to be cerebral Christians. We want to experience this love of God. So Father, we pray, please help. Come, Holy Spirit, come and bring that realization in Jesus' name. Amen.